22 years ago, Jane Pearl was standing at her stove in Amherst, Massachusetts. She was making dinner when her eight-year-old son asked her a question, one that seemed to come out of the blue. How much money do you make, Mama? Jane was not prepared. And I was just completely blown away and surprised and didn't want to answer without thinking about it. First, she froze. And then she did what a lot of parents do when their kids ask a question that they're just not quite ready to answer. She stalled. So I said, that's a great question and let's finish dinner and we'll talk about it after dinner. Now, this might be an awkward question for most parents. In fact, some would actually rather have the sex talk with their kids than the money talk. But Jane was actually a financial writer. Her entire job was writing for big magazines about money. But even she was surprised at just how unprepared she was for this conversation. And I didn't know how to answer that in a way that I thought he could understand it. And I realized, A, I was nervous he might repeat the information, which is very private. B, I was worried that if I said I made $1,000 a year, he would think that was a lot. So Jane grabbed a notepad and laid out all the costs for running their family to help her son get a sense of what it takes to run a household. Jane's parents never talked to her directly about money. I first started to learn about money when I saw my parents uh, sometimes arguing about it. (laughs) And my mother believed that uh, if you earned 10 cents, you had to put 5 cents in the bank. And my father felt if you earned 10 cents, you could spend 10 cents and um, sometimes 11. This experience of being stumped by her son wanting to talk about money sent Jane down a path exploring a big new question how to teach kids about finances. Now, she's written three books about it. And her biggest takeaway? Staying quiet is not an option. So if they see the parents being so private, they get the message that this is something we don't talk about, that it's, it's, uh, there's something negative about it, in a way. I'm Mona Chalabi, and you're listening to Fortune Favours the Bold a branded podcast from Mastercard and Gimlet Creative. This episode, we're talking about how we learn about money. Now, I wanted to get a sense of how the kids are talking about finances these days. So we asked a few of them. How much money do you think most adults have in the bank? I think most adults have about $3,000. $100,000. Twenty-five, I mean, $125. Well, there have been times that I've had $125 or even $25 in my account. It seems like we have a bit of work to do to get this group up to speed. When I think about how I first learned about money, I remember this time when I was about five at a bookstore in London with my dad. We were at the counter paying for some books when I spied a huge jar of erasers shaped like different animals. I spotted this yellow and brown giraffe-shaped one and decided that I needed it. I looked at my dad and pointed at the jar, and as he handed over the cash for my books, he gave me the classic parent head shake. A no that's only visible to the kids and not members of the public. The kind that's non-negotiable. I realised in that moment that there are things that are deemed worthy of parental spending and things that are not. But the difference between wants and needs was still a bit mysterious to me. 
Nowadays, I do try to avoid spending on unnecessary things, but that doesn't mean I'm good with money. For instance, I have no idea how much is in my 401k or what exactly that 401k is even doing. Studies show that I'm not alone. Half of people in the US don't really understand money well enough to make healthy financial decisions. And there's an official term for that, financial illiteracy. For ages, the rule for teaching people about money was, we don't really need to do it. Kids will just pick up these lessons from the people around them, magically. And at least in the US, people are often too embarrassed to talk about money, maybe because they don't feel like they know enough themselves. But those rules are changing, because people who are trying to make a better world today understand that we have to talk about this stuff. And not so we can memorise and follow rules just because they're the rules. We need to learn the rationale behind the rules so that we can become financially fluent enough to make smart decisions for ourselves and our communities. If you had $100, what would you do with it? I would give some of it to charity and then I'd buy a cat with the other amount. This episode, we'll meet some people who are totally rethinking how we get there. We'll meet educators who are transforming how we learn about money in schools in order to meet students where they are, and that's mostly on the computer. And we'll take a look at a new company that's taking that old-fashioned idea of an allowance and transforming it for the digital future. It's no wonder that even finance professionals like Jane Pearl aren't comfortable teaching personal finance. Because often, they were never taught themselves. In fact, just five US states require high school students to take a half year of personal finance. And on top of so few schools teaching the topic, there's not really an agreed-upon curriculum or philosophy to teach kids how money works. It's only been since 2012 that researchers have even started measuring financial literacy rates on a large scale, as part of something called the PISA, or Programme for International Assessment. The financial literacy section of the exam looks at a 15-year-old's ability to make basic consumer decisions. And what researchers have found so far is that because there's not a consistent practice of teaching kids about financial literacy, they don't really know yet exactly what works. But what they do know is that if you don't talk about the basic financial concepts, you're not going to understand them. And then you end up having to learn how to navigate the financial world the hard way. That's something Jake Peavy knows all too well. It's the final and most important series of the year. Game 3 2013. The bases are loaded. The runner at third has already attempted to steal home, but the pitcher, baseball cap pulled low over his forehead, is keeping his cool. He strikes out three batters in a row You're out. to close the inning. And Jake is the pitcher who saved the day. I am a uh, former baseball player. have played for 15 years in San Diego, Chicago, Boston and San Francisco. Jake's being modest. He's got two championship rings, is a three-time All-Star and 2007 award-winning pitcher. So yeah. He's pretty good. He had started playing in the majors when he was drafted a few weeks after his 21st birthday. And with this move 
count a big paycheck, especially compared to the miners where he was making just $1,200 a month. Jake had never had much money before, so what to do with it in the long term really wasn't something that he had thought much about. We just really saved and just um, had a savings account with a bank that was inside a grocery store in uh, San Diego. I can still, still recall the lady I opened the account with and, and just uh, and she watched my life change and, and me start saving uh, money for the first time. Jake and his wife had recently had a son and they wanted to save wisely for his future. But he really didn't know how. I had a, uh, uh, an insecurity that I knew I wasn't educated enough to take care of these funds. So Jake did what a lot of people do. He asked a few of his friends how they handle their money. Some of his teammates suggested he move his retirement account to a particular financial advisor. So Jake did. He kept his money with this advisor for the next decade. Kept playing baseball and everything seemed fine. Fast forward to 2016. Jake's 35 now with two championship rings and four kids. He's at the age where pitchers start to think about retirement, which he was considering too, until... The, the financial institution contacted me and um, asked if they could fly in and meet. And um, they did that and unfortunately delivered the news that, you know, all the documents that we were looking at um, were inaccurate and made up um, that the money was no longer there. Jake had lost $15 million. And his friends, those same guys who recommended the financial advisor to Jake in the first place, they'd all lost millions and millions. The so-called financial advisor had been a fraud. Jake was crushed. But he was lucky too. Because over his baseball career, he had only put part of his finances with this particular advisor. But he believes that if he understood the rules and had more confidence, if he had been financially literate, instead of just following his friends and what he thought were the rules, then he might have been able to avoid this big loss. When we come back, we'll hear how Jake turns this loss into an opportunity for the kids of his hometown. You're listening to Fortune Favors the Bold. Today, we're taking a look at how people learn about money and why it needs to change. And we're hearing from the rule breakers making it happen. One thing we're learning, financial literacy isn't easy. You would be surprised to learn how confusing our world still is for millions of people. That's Mercedes Garcia. She's the vice president for community relations at MasterCard. And in her world, the world of payments technology, it's easy to take for granted that most people don't have a robust understanding of payments cards. I like to remind my colleagues and people in the industry that we're developing all this very cool thing and, and you know, the next amazing innovation. There are still millions out there that don't understand the basics. One of the ways Mercedes helps people understand the basics is the Master Your Card program. It's an initiative that empowers underserved segments of the community. They do a lot of different work, like partnering with World of Money, a nonprofit that helps give kids a solid financial education. Mercedes says that in her work with World of Money, she's seen that young kids are naturals with finance, if you just give them the tools. 
Fostering financial literacy is just one way MasterCard pursues its mission of greater financial inclusion. How can we enable people to be included, to have the same access and alternatives as everybody else if they don't understand how things work? So definitely financial literacy is a very, very key point. How did you learn about finances? How did you teach your kids about money? Let us know by sending an email to Fortune Favors the Bold at fftb at mastercard.com. That's fftb at mastercard.com. Before the break, we heard how pitcher Jake Peavy lost millions of dollars to a financial advisor who was really a fraud. He believes that if he had been more financially literate, he may have been able to avoid this massive loss. So now Jake is a baseball player with an unlikely goal, to turn this experience into an opportunity for the kids in his hometown of Sims, Alabama. Imagine you're at the mall and you get to decide what to spend your birthday money on. You need jeans, but you want a new video game. And you could go for a hamburger or three while you're at it. You've got some big decisions to make. What are you going to buy? Decisions like these are financial decisions because they have to do with money. And these decisions can affect every part of your life and your future. This is the sound of a financial education course at the Boys and Girls Club of South Alabama. Their mission is to help kids thrive, and they believe that learning to navigate their financial lives is an essential part of that. But they've never had a programme quite like this until Jake stepped in. Jake funds the club's financial literacy efforts, and he's visited the club to share his own story, after a game of baseball with the kids, of course. When he thinks about his financial history, it's the education he wishes he'd had. It just is amazing to me that there's driver's education, there's sex education in in our school programming, but there's no financial education for these children. Jake's working with a company called Everfi to bring financial literacy to Sims. Everfi brings digital education platforms to companies and schools. They're also a MasterCard partner through a community empowerment program. Welcome to the Cell Phone Blues. In this game, you'll be helping Sorax, your alien friend, make good choices with his money. Everfi's flagship program is a financial literacy training. Their goal is to go beyond the way money has usually been talked about in classrooms, when it's been talked about at all. The way in which it had been taught was um, really kind of a paper-based, volunteer-based, um, one or two days in the school year, maybe. And that's just not enough. And it's also not meeting students in a medium where they're used to operating. That's John Chapman. He co-founded Everfight in 2008. And the medium in which kids are operating, like most of us these days, is digital. Elementary school kids learning about financial literacy today have never known a world without the internet, even without smartphones. We use the term digital natives. In 2018, we really use the term digital natives because the students who are going through high school today have never known anything other um, than a life filled with technology as a medium by which they access information, by which they learn in school more and more frequently. So, Everfine made financial literacy computer games, like the ones you just heard. The games ask kids to make lots of choices. For example, to teach kids about wants versus needs. Okay, picture yourself in a store with your friends. They're all buying the same t-shirt. 
Are you going to buy it too? Hmm. I mean, it's a pretty nice shirt. Using technology and digital platforms to not only give the kids skills, but really get them to engage is pretty cool. Because if you're going to succeed in the game of financial literacy, you have to know where to follow the rules and where to get creative. In order for students to understand, for instance, how the stock exchange worked, we wanted to put them on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, help them understand what traders were doing every day and, and how stocks and bonds worked um, and how that could be used as a savings vehicle as well. For Jake, getting to see kids have engaged discussions about the best way to pay for things, save and even invest, is really exciting. And me having this opportunity to, to try and take one of the worst days, one of the worst things that's happened to me in life, and, and turn it into a, a positive message and just influence future generations in, in financial literacy. But the new money training doesn't just take place in the classroom. Bill Dwight is another innovator thinking about meeting kids where they're at. This time, it's in their own homes, on their smartphones. And his approach, it's reinventing allowance, which he suggests calling an entertainment budget. Bill says that while he understands why a parent's first instinct is to teach kids the value of a dollar with an actual physical dollar, in the long run, this might be doing their kids a disservice. That's not how people are transacting anymore. That's not how the kids today transact. That's not how they're going to transact as adults. So he created FamZoom. It's a tool that shows kids how to budget, save and pay back loans by making sure their money has a purpose. See, when we think about allowance, we often think about spending money, fun money. But Bill wants us to think about it differently. The way that works is that parents or guardians will put a certain amount of money on a FAMZOO card. It looks like any other debit card, but it says the bank of mum, or whatever parents choose for it to say. Then the kids get to decide how to spend it. On needs, like lunch money, but also fun stuff. And the kids, even as young as preschoolers, can monitor their funds through the FAMZOO app, which looks like a banking app, but simpler. Bill says that it's crucial that kids get used to seeing digital money as real money because that's exactly what it is. They need to associate a decrease in their balance with the actual outflow of money. And I think the sooner that we condition them to understand that, the better. And furthermore, if I'm a teenager, I need to make purchases online for music or online gaming or you know, name all the things that kids do these days. So cash just really isn't practical. Part of FAMZOO's philosophy is letting your kids make mistakes and learn from them. If they spend their entire allowance, or, <clears throat> sorry, entertainment budget, before the 10th of the month, they have no one to blame but themselves. It's really easy to get mad at dad. It's really hard to get mad at a screen with a set of numbers on it. So I think it's the ultimate beautiful deflection for a parent. <laughs> FAMZOO can also help kids establish a savings habit. One way to do that, according to Bill, is to use the app to set up a mini parent-funded savings interest program that reminds kids about the benefits of saving. Every week, they might be getting this compound interest text message that says, hey, you earned six cents. A 13-year-old who understands the value of compound interest? Pretty wild, right? That lesson didn't really sink in for me until a couple of weeks ago. An added bonus? FAMZU helps parents too. 
And the really beautiful side effect of this is if you spend a little time teaching your kid some of these habits with the guidance of the app, you end up cleaning up your own habits. So given what we know about financial education across the country, a quick lesson for the whole family might not hurt. A future in which we are all financially fluent would be a really different place. Here's John Chapman, Everfi co-founder again. He says learning how to handle money should be an essential coming-of-age skill, like learning to cook pasta or separate your dark and light laundry. You take driver's ed, and then you take a driving test, right? And you learn the basics of how to operate a vehicle, right? You learn how to use your signal. You learn when to brake. You learn the speed limit. You learn how to parallel park. Um, Those are all baseline foundational knowledges. Imagine trying to drive a car without anyone ever taking you out into a parking lot. It doesn't sound like a great idea, right? Why should learning about your finances be any different? In the US, 9 million people are expected to join the workforce in the next four years. And every day, about 10,000 people reach the minimum retirement age. The old rule that kids will just make financial mistakes and figure it out on their own. That young adults are supposed to be magically responsible and understand intrinsically the value of a dollar. That just isn't enough. Nor is it enough to be following old rules from muscle memory, especially when there are so many educational resources available. Understanding the rules can help kids adapt as technology and the financial landscape continue to evolve. We can't just take advice from friends like Jake did in the dugout. And we can't just wait for questions from our kids either. We all have to be talking about this. Because if we understand not just the rules, but the principles behind the rules, we are able to become not just financially literate, but financially fluent. The choices that each of us make now can set us up for a rainy day, a smoother loan repayment process, or even a golden retirement, maybe on a beach in Fiji. Next time on Fortune Favours the Bold, we'll get into credit worthiness. If you need credit to get credit, how do you get credit in the first place? This chicken and egg problem prevents some people from reaching their potential, but there are those who are working to get around the rules. Fortune Favours the Bold is a branded podcast from Mastercard and Gimlet Creative. This episode was produced by Cassandra Sun with help from B.A. Parker, Kerry-Ann Thomas, Jorge Estrada and Matt Schultz. Production assistance from Max Gibson, Lily Ames and Alan Lear. Sarah Geis is our editor. Rob Hahn mixed this episode. Technical direction was from Zach Schmidt. And our theme song is by Bobby Lord. Special thanks to Blake Dewitt, Carly Urban, Ben Harrison and Miguel Santiago. Tell us what you thought of the show. Find us on Apple Podcasts, leave a review and tell your friends about the show too. I'm Mona Chalabi. Fortune favours the bold. We'll be back next week.